Sunday night service. Amen. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord together tonight? Praise God. We had a great time this morning of worshiping and, and reading the word together. And tonight is going to be no different. And I'm just excited because it's June and it's not 150 degrees. So somebody should give God praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. So let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. And we're going to keep believing and declaring in Jesus' name that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord a shout of praise tonight and you may be seated. Okay, let's see here. We got a few announcements for you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy we don't have a ton of stuff on the calendar right now, which is kind of nice because, hey, we've been hitting it hard and heavy for the first six months of this year. So, hey, let's have a good time this summer. Amen. But uh, one thing is uh, this Thursday at 7 p.m., we have our servant leadership meeting. And uh, we love this. It's a great chance for anybody that's already involved or looking to even get more involved in and, uh, and some things here at church uh, and kind of help us uh, uh, look at the upcoming things. It's at 7 p.m. Usually it lasts about an hour long, but it's a chance to kind of uh, get even a little bit more committed and involved. And so we encourage you to be here at 7 Thursday night for servant leadership. And then this Sunday is just a huge, huge, huge one of the biggest days of the year. If you're a dad, what day is Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> Father's Day. Who's excited for Father's Day like Lawrence is? Anybody? 
I hope. Listen, I hope that was sincere, but listen to me. Hey, it's going to be great. Uh, every Father's Day, we have a gift for every dad that is in attendance. And then on top of that, we have a High Desert Word Center tradition that we gather some dads and give you the worst dad jokes on the market. You are guaranteed you're not going to find any dumber, worse, less funny jokes than what we're going to tell. It is epic and people love it. So anyway, that is this Sunday. Be there and celebrate the dads and on the serious side we should be thankful that we have a church full of godly men that serve the lord and are raising their families the right way who thinks that's a pretty big reason to celebrate amen especially in you know our day and age so we'll take that also just want to remind you that the Honduras trip uh, is starting this week. Our, we are sending a team down there from the 15th through the 25th. And uh, we just want to remember them while they're down there ministering. They've got a lot of things planned. I heard that they're going to be doing a vacation Bible school for the village down there. So uh, that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, the kids' school schedule in uh, Honduras is much different than ours. So uh, they're working a thing out, though, for the kids because they aren't technically on a summer vacation because they're schedule so different but anyway uh they're going to lead that and a bunch of other wonderful things so we're going to be praying for them and god's going to use them uh, to bless the people and the children down there it is a really big deal all right well praise god for that we'll go ahead and get into our sunday evening tithes and offerings so who knows what time it is now yeah, amen. God loves a cheerful giver, amen. So we'll have Mrs. Pastor do our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. Then we're going to get into some praise and worship tonight, amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. <laughs> Gosh, I remember when Noah was little. Is Noah here tonight? I don't know if Noah's here or not, but he used to call Pastor Dave Dapper Dave. <laughs> that was so cute. I don't know, he couldn't say pastor or something, but he was a little, he couldn't say it. But you had the right heart, didn't you, Noah? Good for you, pal. Okay, well, if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and our ushers will be more than happy to get one to you. I'm in Proverbs 11, chapter 11. I'm in the New King James. In verses 24 and 5, it says this. It says, there is one who scatters, you know, gives, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but that leads to poverty. And so when you think in your natural realm, well, if you're giving away stuff like that, then wouldn't you be poor? If you're giving away, wouldn't you be poor? But not in God's kingdom. Because in God's kingdom, if we're sowing, then we're reaping. More and more comes back on us. And in verse 25 says, the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters or, 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 you know, gives will be watered also himself. So bottom line is, modern translation, you can't outgive God, okay? All right. So that's a, that's a amen. Thank you, Lawrence. All right. Well, let's stand up and say our financial faith confession. And then we'll turn this over to Pastor Dave. He's once again music minister tonight. Thank you for that hat. Hallelujah. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, 
royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for our new life in Christ. Lord, the world may be caught off guard and blindsided by all the things going on, but you said for your children to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, how spiritual things work, so we'll be a part of the flow of what you're doing, Lord. And you told me years ago that faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. And so I want to thank you tonight as I share the word of God that you've taught me, that as I teach others, Lord, they'll see how to use their faith to change the things around them that shouldn't be, to be what you want them to be, Lord. In line with your will, your plan, your purpose for their lives, so they can live fruitful, productive lives and enjoy their lives, Lord, shouting the victory every day of their lives. We thank you tonight that the ones watching on the Internet and the ones in the service, that everyone listening is going to receive at least one revelation, one truth, one answer at least to what they need to know right now to get the victory over what's trying to overcome them. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, how many know that we have a devotional we put out every month that uh, the Holy Ghost and I write together, Mrs. Pastor puts them together? How many know we got those? Wow, we need to be doing more advertising. I think three people in the whole church know we've got these. Wow, they're online. You can get them online. We have them back there in the uh, information desk. We have these. But anyway, what I'm going to teach tonight is a lot what's in the June devotional, things that you need to hear. But I want, I want to ask again, maybe maybe you were not listed. How many people know that we have these? Well, okay, yeah, they just acclimated. Now they're acclimated. Now, now they know. But anyway, these are really, really, really nuggets that will help you. And like I said, this is what I'm going to be teaching from tonight. Also, I went to the bookstore to see something to show tonight because I like to show things out of our bookstore that those those faith books is what helped make me what I am today the victories I've gotten but Mrs. Pastor years ago we start we started pastoring in 1992 had been had been preaching different ways uh, for probably 10 years before that so this is 30 40 years worth of things and as I preached a lot of times I'll say things that I had no idea I was going to say anybody that preaches know how that works that when you're preaching the Holy Ghost says things to you. And for me, a lot of times, I want to stop right then and say, well, I want to rewind that and hear that again. Because I like what the Holy Ghost said through me. So anyway, she calls these here nuggets of gold. And I picked, we got we got a whole rack of them back there. She said they're $5 for these little booklets here. But this is called Nuggets of Gold for Winners, book one. Nuggets of Gold for Winners, book two, book three. But I, I just opened this up to look at things. And it's awesome says, good things don't just happen. They happen because you plan for them. Bad things don't just happen. They happen because you failed to plan. You know, I don't remember saying these things. They're just, I'm just opening up randomly looking. When God asks us to do something, it isn't based on what we, what we have, but based on what he has. <laughs> do you know that? If God tells you to do anything in life, he's a faith God. Faith pleases him. If it's something you can do, you don't need him. He tells you to do something, and your first thing is, that's impossible. God says, glory to God, you're getting it now. Because all things are possible with God. Amen. That's just a little thing over the years preached. Let me open up here this one here. If your light is going out, replace the bulb. 
Amen. How many know that the Bible teaches in multiple places we're children of light? And light comes through the word. We're supposed to walk in light and not in darkness. And so if, you're, if your spiritual light's going out, open the Bible. Amen. Amen. Turn the light on so you can see where you're going. And here's book number three. Only you can prevent the forest fires of your life. I don't, I don't know. This started in California way back when I was young in the 1950s. So it was because of the fires in California. They, they had a bear that they survived the fires. They were Smokey the Bear. And he survived the fire. And then they'd get on there and show the advertisement on TV. And Smokey the Bear would say, only you can prevent forest fires. Well, you're the one that's control of the disasters that hit your life. You can prevent them. Let me see one more thing. If God is the one that has the plan for your life, he's the only one that has the steps of action for you to take. Amen. Amen. I got, I got a grandson. We just came back from high school graduation on a little road trip, and he feels called to the pastoral ministry. And so he was all set. I mean, he, he was, uh, I, I, I don't understand all these words. He was Kumasumalami or what's that big, huh? Sorry for the college people in here, <laughs> but he was, he was at the top of the list out of all those kids there. He was one of them that all three categories of all the lobbies, he was, he got them all. And so he's, he wasn't a dumb grandson, but the direction he wanted to go with his life the last several months, he changed and he told his mom and dad, Jesus wants me to be a pastor. And so I'm changing my college goals and I'm going to go to Bible college. And do that thing. So anyway, I, I wrote out a card to him. And I told him, I said, Tyler, I said, the main thing is, I said, Jesus is the one that called you. And he's the one that knows what it is you need to do to be the pastor he wants you to be. I said, I can tell you by experience. There's a lot of well-meaning Christians and other people that will tell you how you ought to do it. But they didn't call you. He did. And so this is for everyone listed out there, everyone listed here. If you're the one that sought God for the direction of your life, and you're the one that God talked to specifically for your life, why are you going to go on Facebook or anywhere else and ask somebody else, how should, how can I do this? Because most of them is going to come to, come to their own ignorant thinking about God and life, and they're going to tell you, you know what, that's impossible to do this if you don't do it this way. Well, most of the ways that people have uh, Proverbs said there's a way that seems right to a man. But the, the ways thereof are the ways of death. And so we as Christians have to like the little nuggets right there that came out over the years. Jesus has to be the center of everything that you do in life. All the wisdom you get, the knowledge you get. Get knowledge from people and things like that. But when it comes down to it, Jesus lives in your heart, not your head. And so you've got to take time to be with him Come to churches like this and get under the anointing of God and let the Spirit of God in your heart say, there's the next step. Amen. Follow it. Anyway, those nuggets of gold, there's a whole rack of them back there. And uh, that's what they are, but they're really, really good. All right. Tonight I'm going to be teaching the most important parable that Jesus ever taught. How many want to hear the most important parable that Jesus ever taught? And he said it himself. Right in the parable, as I teach it in just a minute, but uh, it's in it's in the June devotions. But we're going to teach on tonight just just a really brief part tonight. But if you'll take notes, if you listen closely, 
I'm going to show you the most important thing about that parable. What's the most important parable? And this is how my life has lived for the last 43 and a half years. And I've had a pretty good life. I've got a lot of battle scars because when you're on the front lines in spiritual warfare, there's going to be attacks. But I've won every battle. Some of them were long-lasting battles, but glory to God, I'm still standing and the devil's not. When it comes to my family and my life, I learned how to do what Jesus taught me to do. So I want you to look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 2. I'm glad we got we got these uh, lessons we do on the internet so you can go back and look at it. But I'm still, I'm still a notebook and pen guy that writes notes down, takes notes and looks at things. Because I loved to wherever I'm at. Like, you know, I, I was in Peru, stuck in Peru during the pandemic. And the internet wasn't exactly reliable. And so I couldn't go on the internet and hear somebody else preach. I had to go to my own notes I carried with me. And what are you going to do? If your Wi-Fi goes out and you're trying to remember something you learned, if you don't have some notes. Amen. And so Mark chapter 4 verse 2 says he taught them many things by parables. He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, which means his teaching. So I want to tell you a little bit about a parable. The Lord gave me this definition, definition years ago. I didn't read it somewhere. He gave it to me one day. I mean, probably 40 years ago. And so I stuck with me, and it's, it's the best one I've ever heard. A lot of people say the same type thing, but the words he gave me were this. A parable is a natural illustration. A parable is a natural illustration to convey or get across a spiritual truth. A parable is a natural illustration to convey or get across a spiritual truth. And it says right here, Jesus taught them many things this way. He gave natural illustrations so they could understand what happens in the realm of the spirit. Uh, I, I'm so excited. I'm just thinking, I, I just wish I could open up people's heads and pour into them the importance of what I'm teaching tonight so they could understand what's really going on around them and they, they would quit losing. Uh, you know, one, one time one of those nuggets he gave me was, are you a winner or a whiner? And you, there's too many whiners in the body of Christ and not enough winners. Whining changes nothing except you. It makes you get depressed. Winning change, changes everything around you. And so sometimes in parables, Jesus talked about a carpenter building a house. How many remember the story of the wise man built his house upon the rock? And then he said what the wise man was, he said, that's the one that hears my sayings and does them. And we were coming to church tonight and... Did anybody's phone go off not about a weather alert, about possible floods tonight, stuff, heavy rain coming in this area? Well, my phone started doing the amber alert. It was a weather alert. As we were coming to church, I saw all the, all the bad clouds and stuff up that way there. And I said, I'm going to be talking about that tonight. That when the storms came and the floods arose, the wise man's house built upon hearing the word, doing the word, stood. But the one that had no foundation... Because they heard the word, but didn't do the word. They had no foundation. When the storms came, the house fell. And that's talking about a Christian life. When I first started pastoring, the Lord told me one time, he said, don't just teach how to rebuke the storms. Teach them how to endure, how to endure the storms. I'll never forget that. I was still driving a truck as, as a baby pastor. I, dri- I had to pull my truck off the road, write that down. I thought, wow, that is good. He said, don't just teach them how to rebuke them. We all know how to say, be thou removed. Talk about the problems. We come against them in the name of Jesus. 
But then sometimes, sometimes it's a long-lasting thing, and you got to know how to endure the storms. So that's what Jesus is talking about, about the carpenter part of it. said you build the right foundation, and your life won't get blown away. Storms come, when the storm leaves, you're still standing. That's called the crisis of life. And so that's one of the parables that Jesus taught about carpentry. Then he also talked about fishing. He talked to fishermen. He told them how to win souls for the kingdom of God. He talked about fishermen because fishermen understood fishing talk. Now, there's been a lot of times in my life he's talked to me about truck driving and things like that because I understand trucking. And that anything in life there is, Jesus will show you how to turn that into a spiritual lesson. And so he taught them many things by parables. And then sometimes he talked to them about farming. And that's what this parable is. And we're going to see this is the most important parable we ever talked. And so he taught about farming to show how the word of God is like a seed. It absolutely has everything to do with what you receive. The word of God is like a seed. This is a parable Jesus taught. We're going to dig into it. It has absolutely everything to do with what you receive from God in this life and in the life to come. And uh, I'm not going to read the first part of it. I'll tell you this. In verses 3 through 8, he tells the natural side. Remember, a parable is a natural illustration to understand a spiritual truth. And so on the natural side, I've always experienced this as a bit of Christian because I know this parable very well, how things work. It's just in my life, I see it right now in the natural side. I just had a new yard put in my place I live at. And some of the, some of the grass that was put in wasn't getting watered right because I had to adjust the irrigation. So I've got this great, big, beautiful, very expensive lawn that people put in for me. And along the edges of some places, it turned totally brown. The rest of it's luscious green. The reason being, because that part of the grass wasn't getting watered. And see, all around it is lots of green grass. Then I got some that's brown because I have to redo it now to make the stuff work right. And so in this parable, these first few verses, Jesus says, number one, there's a farmer that's planting seed. We just in Indiana saw all the farms out there and saw all the things growing like that. So I know what, what that's like. And so in this parable, you're going to see that the farmer that plants the seed is somebody like me that's preaching the word of God because God's word is God's seed in this parable. And then the soil, Jesus talks about our hearts are God's spiritual soil. And so your heart that's here right now is getting seed planted on you from the Holy Spirit through me as a farmer. And then on another level, you as a believer, when you're helping other people, you can tell them all the good things you want to tell them what they ought to do, but you're really not doing a lot of good till you give them some Bible verses and plant some seed in the soil of their heart because then you're a farmer. I want to say that again. The best help you can give anybody is to plant the living word of God as spiritual seed in the soil of a sinner's heart, of a believer's heart. Because then once that spiritual seed's in there, it can do something, then it needs to be watered. And like that grass I had planted, uh, I'll tell you about the watering part, preaching plants the word. Teaching waters the word. The first time you hear something preached, you're all excited because seed just got planted. 
And your little heart just said, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I got seed now. Now I know what to do. Oh, I'm so excited. I can be healed. I can be prospered. My family can succeed. Oh, glory to God. I'm delivered because the word of God says so. Well, you just got the seed planted. But like my grass, if you don't get water on it, then it's not going to make it. And so you've got to come back. You've got to sit under teaching then. Preaching plants, teaching waters. You've got to have both a good farming. This is a parable Jesus taught. And we're going to see that he says the most important parable that he had to teach. And so you as Christians have to know, just because you get the word of God one time, or two or three times, all you've done is got seed. But just like my grass, if the water's not hitting that part there, I've got to adjust something. In your life... If there's things trying to toss stop you from getting watered, you've got to adjust something. If you see your grass turning brown, you can't blame the grass because you're the farmer. You've got to water the grass. If you see your life drying up, you can't blame God. He's the same. He doesn't change. If you had a church like this, you can't blame the church or the preachers. We've got three services a week and lots of other things going on, man. You've got time to get watered here. Amen. And, and then read your own Bible at home. Don't just come here and hear things. Read it at home too and study it and write things down. So anyway, those first few verses from 3 through 8, he tells the natural side of farming, planting the seed, etc. And he tells about watch out for weeds to grow up and choke it and those kind of things. But then in verses 14 through 20, he teaches the spiritual truth of seed time and harvest and harvest in farming. That's what we're going to talk about. I want you to look at verse 11. I want you to look at verse 11. This is, this is so good. And he said unto them, unto you, he's talking about his, to his disciples. Here's another question. It's not a setup. I don't set people up. Don't be afraid to raise your hand. How many here consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Disciple means a student. When I went to Bible school back in 1983, every day the man said, Welcome, fellow students of the word, disciples of Jesus Christ. We're students of the word. And so if you're a disciple, that means you're a student of the word. Amen. So he said to his disciples, which is talking to you and me, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's given to you know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And so uh, we as Christians have to know that religious people like to make a statement like this. God, excuse me, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, he might, if you're not inside the kingdom, read the book. He said unto you, it's given to know. It's never surprised me one time when I saw a person backslide, really, because I've watched their life. I understand the principles in this, in this parable right here. It's never bothered me at all when I've seen a person get healed from a very, very serious thing. Because I know the principles of the kingdom of God. It's never, never really shook me when I've seen a marriage shatter that everything in spiritual Jesus taught was being violated. Because he said, it's giving you know the mystery. And this, this parable here shows you exactly how things work in the kingdom of God. I want to say it again. God does not move in mysterious ways in my life. He does not move in mysterious ways in my church. Because I'm a disciple they told me it's given you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And you know what a mystery is? A simple definition. Something that's hidden. You don't know the truth. Have you ever watched a, 
a, a mystery show where you didn't know who did it? You wonder all the time, and then they'll make you think, well, this one did it. And then, then all of a sudden, the show shifts, this one did it. Then this one did it. And then sometimes, the last five or ten minutes of the show, somebody that was a very, very minor character you didn't pay any attention to comes out, they did it. Well, the next time I watched that show, it wouldn't be a mystery to me. Because I already knew. So in life, I already know the hidden things going on in life because Jesus told me the word of God. It's given me to know. There's nothing the devil can pull on me as long as I stick with Jesus and his word and the things he says that will catch me off guard. Something might shake me for just a minute, but I already know what the word says. I'm going to stick with it and obey the word and I'll come out on top every time. And so... I think you should say, say, make this statement based upon what Jesus said. How many know we're supposed to confess the word of God? Well, say this be then. Say, I am not ignorant of spiritual things. Jesus has given me to know the hidden things, the mysteries of the spiritual realm. Glory to God. That is so good. That is so good. And then also, I want you to look at verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? Talk about this parable. Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? He said, How will you understand any parables? This is why I say this most important parable Jesus ever taught. He said, If you don't understand this, the rest of it will make any sense to you. Amen. He said, If you don't understand this, the rest of them won't make any sense. He said, If you know this parable, you'll understand all parables. And so I wrote this down. Uh, this is the master key to understanding the rest of the Bible and to understanding life. I wrote that down fresh this morning. I thought, wow, that's what this is the master key to unlocking the Bible. This is the master key to unlocking what goes on in life all around you in people's lives. And really back to the book of Genesis, it starts off by talking about seed time and harvest. He says, as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest. Amen. Night and day. There will all be the four seeds of life. God has set things in life that are here forever and ever. And so the, the spiritual realm determines the natural realm. And all farmers are doing, and all things you see in the natural realm, are only what's going on in the spiritual arena. God's the one had seed time and harvest before there was natural seed time and harvest. And so in our lives... You know, no matter, no matter what, no matter what people think, try to reason things out, it's seed time and harvest. And when attacks come, sometimes Christians don't know the value of the Word of God. I want to say it again, they don't know the value of the Word of God. I say it one more time, don't know the value of the Word of God. For all the years we've been in California, over 18 years now, if the ones we've influenced in this church over the last 18 plus years got a hold of the value of the Word of God, They'd be lined up outside right now. Every seat would be filled. We'd have to go to multiple services on Sunday, have to have Saturday night services. If they knew the word of God that's taught here is the answer to every crisis they're facing right now. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to contain the people. That's, that's why Jesus had those multitudes because people got a hold of what Jesus was saying and they knew he's the one that has the words of life. And so your lives absolutely change when you learn what's in this parable. And so Jesus said, I'm going to look at this one more time. Know you not this parable? 
How then, when you know all parables? You learn these principles, you'll understand it all. And so if you listen closely, take notes, be serious in your personal life about what Jesus teaches here, you'll absolutely win. You'll absolutely win in every area of life. Absolutely win in every area of life. And uh, I, I, I look at our congregations here tonight. I, I just keep seeing David Irma showing, the, showing how this works in the spiritual arena. David Irma, hold your hands up, guys. Jesus, I'm proud of you. We're proud of you. Couple has two beautiful grown daughters, lots of grandchildren, and lots of good things in their life, but it wasn't always that way. They went through years where they didn't really handle things how they could have handled things. They got divorced. Do you remember Lazarus died? If, if you're a Christian, you read the story, Lazarus died. And basically what Jesus said, he's not going to... He's not going to stay dead. Amen. And so Jesus got there and he raised Lazarus from the dead. That marriage died. It was, the death certificate was signed, divorce decree. That's the death certificate of marriage. But then, these two right here, they really got serious about seeking God, speaking his word, and praying the word of God over their life. And God put that marriage back together. You have a happily married family right here. And so, that's because you've got two people. You've got two people that learned the value of spiritual things of the Word of God. I want to give you another nugget the Lord gave me years ago. If I was you, I'd write this one down, but you can do what you want to do. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Choose life. And that means when you're hearing sermons like this, you heard any good servant in life, you've got a choice. It's either going to be something really good that you do something with, you take notes, you listen to it again and write it down, or you leave it as, oh man, that was powerful today, that was a good sermon. And then tomorrow on your job, you talk to a fellow Christian, and you're talking about things like, boy, my pastor had a good one yesterday, what was it? I don't know, I, I can't remember. I just know it excited me. Well, it did nothing for you then. It excited you. It excited you would not put a marriage back together. It excited you, well, we got another couple here on the front row. It excited you would not give that boy healing from asthma. Would not raise up Eli off a deathbed. These guys learned the value of God's word. They got more than excited. They let the word of God get the soil of their heart, work it in their mouth. They watered it with preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching. And it grew up, and this kid just go to the... How many times a week did he go to the hospital sometimes? At least twice a month, he was in the hospital for very serious asthma attacks. And then Eli, their other one, one of their other ones, they got two beautiful daughters. But Eli, Eli, Eli was really in the hospital for months and months and months and months on life support and all kinds of bad stuff when it started off. But they stayed right there, and they made the choice, the Word of God will prevail. Amen. And so... And so back, back, back to the choices part. Now, here's what the Lord told me years ago. I preached it on New Year's Eve and then preached it for several months afterwards. Coming into the new year, we're in, we're in 2023 right now, pretty good start. And so 2023 for you will not live in success, will not, will not end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. Your life. No matter where you are in life right now, and I gave these examples right here because the choices they made changed it around. But a lot of people did not make the same choices 
They had put into practice what they've learned about the Word of God, and so that their failure didn't work. And so uh, your life, your life will not end in success or failure by chance. Uh, our family is born on the wrong side of the track. Nobody likes us because we're this race. Nobody likes us because we're poor. Nobody likes us because we didn't get that education. We didn't get the chances of other people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I know a preacher in a really wonderful church in Southern California in the desert that was raised in a family of alcoholics and thugs and mean people. And a lot of their lives are over already and they ended in failure. But I know this son that became a child of God that decided... I'm going to break the curse from the Samples family. I'm not going down that road. I've seen the death and destruction of that life. I'm walking away from it. And so this Samples got born again. He made the choice. He made the choice on January 29th, 1980. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And then I was telling Colin, my son-in-law, about what I did. At that point in time, I wasn't married. I went to church on Sunday morning. I came home Sunday afternoon, read my Bible all afternoon because I found out this is the words of life. I went to church Sunday night. I went to work Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And Wednesday night, I went to church. And all the time in between, I studied the Bible because I found out, man, this is God talking to me. And then on Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, my pastor had a men's meeting. Every Saturday morning, I went to the men's meeting. I went home and I studied my Bible. Somebody said, what kind of life was that? Well, I wanted to break out of that curse. I made a choice. I wasn't going to be in those statistics and talk about the blankly, blankly, blank samples, how they are. Man, I decided I'm not going to be that way. And I know the only thing's going to free me is this word of God getting planted in my heart, working in my life. And it worked. It worked, it worked, it worked. Uh, when God put it in my heart to have a wife, well, I knew I had to plant some seed, the word of God seed. And so this little one-bedroom apartment I had, on my cabinet, I got scriptures about a wife. I put scriptures about wives on my, and I started calling my wife in. I saw Proverbs 18:22. He that finds a wife finds a good thing, takes favor of the Lord. As so I said, Jesus, I found the first one I didn't do too good. And so I'm asking you to find my wife. Show me who she is. And then it said, it said that you find a wife, you get favor of the Lord. So every day I said, Jesus, I want more favor. Amen. I said, I want more favor. And this is totally away from where we're going there, but this may help somebody. And so my heart was so tender for what Jesus wanted. I prayed a prayer. I don't advise you to pray unless you're really, really serious. I said, Lord, I don't care if she's black, if she's white, if she's tall, if she's short, if she's heavy, if she's skinny. I just want you to pick her. And I said, Lord, amen. And I said, Lord, the number one thing is she has to love you more than she loves me. She has to love you more. And I think he did a pretty good job. And so, and, and can I tell you something? Now listen to this. I didn't find her on the internet. I didn't find her in the bar room. Jesus had her at a prayer meeting, and I went to the prayer meeting, and we met at a prayer meeting. You know, I think that's the best place probably to find a godly mate. 
And then also, let me tell you something else. You know, this, this probably sounds strange, but, uh, and it's, it, not stretched a bit. It's the honest truth. We were married two or three years and all of a sudden looked at her and said, Hey, you're good looking. I stayed as she did too. We were so serious about spiritual things. We did not marry for looks. We married because we loved Jesus. And so we loved Jesus and we, we loved, I mean, we were, we were, we were spiritual soulmates, uh, spiritual mates, whatever you want to call it. But I honestly married two or three years. One day I looked at her and thought, wow, look what Jesus gave me. Hey man, but you know what? If she was black, it would have been the same thing. If she was tall, if she was short, if she was heavy, she was, it made no difference. I looked at the heart because the Bible says that God doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the inward. And so I saw the heart and then praise God, I got a hot one too. <laughs> hey man. And so anyway, this is the master key to understanding the rest of the Bible and so I want you to look at verse 9, then we're going to jump into explaining and do some teaching about the part Jesus wants you to see. Verse 9, he said to them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. You have to make it, and this, this is something in training you as students of the word, as disciples. And do you know that in the life today, the devil's going to make sure you have a test to see what you heard? Amen. Amen. And so if you're not, if you're not serious about your discipleship, when the test comes, you won't have what it takes to pass the test. Amen. And so you have to make a conscious effort. And I learned this as, as a baby pastor. I began to teach people, uh, cause the first building we had, the fire station <laughs> was a few doors down from our church. We had a storefront and on Sunday mornings, I started seeing a pattern happen. Man, we'd be right in the middle of good stuff. Like right now, everybody would be tuned in, watching me, listening. And all of a sudden, we hear, rawr, rawr, And everybody stop and watch the windows through the fire truck go past. And finally, after a few times of that, and then also, maybe some babies start crying. You know, it was a little building, and so babies were close. And then all of a sudden, everybody. And I got to where I just stopped like this. I say, man, I can't go on till I got you again. I'm going to say something that's going to change your life and you're not going to hear it because you're watching fire trucks. Are you distracted by somebody's coffin? And so I taught the congregation that when you come here and we got words of life to change your life, don't let distractions block your hearing. Amen. And as, as, as a preacher, as a teacher, You've got to be able, when you're helping people, if you see distractions coming, to stop and repeat it again until you make sure they get it. And so Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. If people have coughing fits, don't get distracted. If babies start crying, don't get distracted. If the fire trucks start welling, don't get distracted. Just stay focused on the word of God. That's why Jesus said, when you got ears to hear, listen. Amen, amen. You can't leave her and say, I didn't get nothing. Because, yeah, we put it out, but did you receive it? All right, let's get over now to verse 9. We just read that. And so now I'm going to look at verse 14 through 20. Uh, the first part was the natural side. Now the spiritual. Remember, a parable is a natural illustration to help you understand a spiritual truth. So you understand there's a farmer, there's soil, and there's seed. 
the soils your hearts, the farmer's the one doing the talking, and the seeds the word of God, it's a spiritual seed. And so I want you to see something right here. That's part of what Jesus is saying. That if you understand this parable, you understand it all. If you don't, you'll understand nothing. Now, I want you to make note. Uh, if you want to, you might write down the phrase, the word. If you're taking notes, write the word. Because Jesus is getting ready to explain the most important parable he ever taught. And I learned this. Whatever Jesus or any place in the Bible says something more than a couple times, it must be something important. It must be something important if he keeps on repeating it. And so notice of this parable, this phrase, the word, and remembering the word of God is the seed of God. And he says in verse uh, 14, the sower soweth the word. Well, the word's being sown right now. And these are they by the wayside where, what's those next two words? The word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Well, on the other side of this, where he talked about the natural side, he says some of the seed fell on the ground and the birds ate it. Well, how many know if birds eat your seed, are you going to get bird poop? Right? That's all you're going to get. You're going to get no harvest out of that. But if the seed goes in the ground, whatever it is, you've got a chance of growing something you want. And so it says the word is sown as Satan comes away, the word that was in their hearts. And these are they likewise, verse 16, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the what? The word. Immediately receive it with gladness. I want you to get this. Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you'll understand the Bible. He said, if you don't understand this, you're never really going to understand the Bible, how it works. And so already, already he said three different times, four times about the word of God. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground. They've heard the word and really received with gladness and have no root in themselves as so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises. Why? For the word's sake, the word. Do you think that Jesus tried to get something across to you? It says he taught many things in parables. And then he said, it's given you know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That's why I see Christians that after I've known them for a little while, I can tell if they're going to make it or not. That's why I see other Christians that I know no matter how bad it looks, what they're going through, I can tell if they're going to win or not. Because, wow, these guys are getting it serious. They're serious about this. And so as it says, affliction, persecution comes for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. And then verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as here. Somebody tell me. Hear what? The word. Jesus said this is the most important parable. And so the most important thing this parable Jesus talks about is the value of the word of God in the life of a believer. It says the word. And then the cares of this world... And the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things that are in choke. The word. What do you think the theme is in this parable? The value of the word of God. The value of the word of God chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as here. The word. Good ground. Good ground. The soil of your heart. And they receive it and bring forth fruit. Some thirty, some sixty. At some a hundredfold. And so Jesus is telling us, he said, 
If you understand this parable, you'll understand everything. And do you notice that Satan, the enemy, has lots of things he wants to do to stop you from getting the word working in your life and growing in your life and cause your faith to work. And we're, I'm going to explain some things here in just a minute, but I want you to get this. Think about this on the natural side because a parable gives a natural illustration to understand what's going on in the spiritual arena. Back when I first started learning this, I had a great big picture window in my house in Martinsville, Indiana, and we had a bird feeder out there. And I never really ever thought about bird seed. Everybody buys bird seed that likes birds and you feed the bird bird seeds because it's just what you do because they like seed. I never thought about seed that birds eat growing anything. But we had so much bird seed out there, out of my window, I fed them. And after a while, all of a sudden, I had all kinds of plants growing up outside my window there. And I realized these birds are eating seed that really would grow if it goes in the ground. And so think about your life. He said, Satan comes immediately to steal the seed. Because Satan knows if that seed is planted and grows, it's going to bear fruit in your life. Fruit of love. Fruit of freedom from fear. Fruit of believing God can bless you and you can do all things through Christ. Fruit of being a good husband, a good wife. Fruit of being a good parent, knows how to raise kids how God wants them raised. Fruit of a person that knows how to go out there and succeed no matter what comes against them because that seed is growing. And so that's why Jesus said, you understand this, you'll understand it all. He said, the birds come and eat the seed because the best way to stop a plant from getting strong 